0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking NFL playoff fantasy football contests on RotoViz Radio.
0: What's up, RotoViz?
1: The RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm flying solo in the cockpit today. Dave is closing out uh, the end of fiscal year uh, financials for his non RotoViz job. It's been a very busy week for him. Uh, and we've had a lot of great uh, fantasy football playoff coverage on the podcast network already this week. Uh, ben and Sean. Uh, talking about things over on Stealing Bananas, Calm and Sean on uh, Overtime, Blair and Hassan on the report last Sunday. We've had articles on the site. Sean's got a great uh, kind of personal prediction article on the site. We've got AFC and NFC breakdowns. Uh, I had an email yesterday that went out to all of you premium email subscribers that showed uh, some examples of of which tools to use to really hone in on building some of those playoff challenge uh, lineups. And of course, you know, everyone's entering the FFPC playoff challenge is a $200 uh, option, a $35 option. And, uh, you know, there's the underdog contest where, you know, there's another variable where you're drafting against other players who are building lineups and you don't have access to every player. So this show, we're going to focus on the FFPC playoff challenge. Um, you know, you're drafting 12 players, uh, but you're not drafting against an opponent. You're just selecting 12 players. Of course, there's 14 teams in the playoffs, which means you're fading a couple players, and you're gonna have to choose a defense and a kicker. So, all in all, you will not have access to the offensive skill players from four uh, different squads. It's really important to you know have an idea of what your lineup is saying about the playoffs, which teams are gonna go to the the Super Bowl or advance the most games. You know, thinking of rosters in the context of how many game, potential games do I think this player could get, and having some level of conviction on what's going to happen in the first round in particular uh, is is pretty important. Um, there's plenty of different places that you can get all of that information here at Rotaviz and elsewhere around the industry. So I'm not going to focus too much on you know kind of the uh, the ele- elementary. Um, aspects of of what the contest is Um, we've been doing this for 21 years uh, over at ffpc and rotavis has been breaking this contest down for uh, years upon years as well so if you haven't entered yet myffpc.com. there's still a couple thousand slots open but uh, about 1500 slots have filled since yesterday so i do think this contest will fill uh sometime saturday morning so i you know if you're listening friday afternoon i would go ahead and enter uh if, if you're wanting to do that now, a couple of things I want to hit in this episode that, that might be new that you haven't heard yet on any of our pods, um, besides just my own personal opinion, I want to talk a little bit about just who the high scorers are at each uh, position, a little bit of a positional rundown in terms of fantasy points per game, um, and then my personal prediction um, for you know what the NFL playoff bracket is going to look like, as well as convictions for each game. I'm probably going to have five or six entries in this thing. I just can't stay away from it, and uh, I think I'm going to commit to a single bracket this year. I've gone back and forth on my strategies over the past couple of seasons. I've had some where you know I entered four or five times and and played a different bracket each time, but this year I kind of want to have that core around the, you know the right bracket playing out, and then swap in what I think is going to happen in those one and done games. And you know if I hit, I'll hit big, and if I I whiff, you know I let the money on fire. That's how it goes. Um, so let's start with the quarterback position. Josh Allen leads the field 26.2 points per game. He's got a, a four games possible, um, with no first round bye, So that's obviously a big deal. The Buffalo KC game is a little bit tricky now, uh, in the second round. Um, that's what I had been thinking about, uh, is basically a lock to happen, but now with Buffalo and Pittsburgh being a severe weather situation and KC Miami being a severe weather situation. Both of those games are a little bit in flux. And so, you know, what weather is the great equalizer. It's a quarterback neutralizer uh, at, at times, if there's enough snow or enough cold, just a little bit of snow. Um, What was it? Tom Brady said more snow, more throw, something like that. Um, But you know, that's not necessarily the case when there's like a foot of snow um, with, you know, huge wind gusts. It just, it totally changes the game. But you know, I, Allen could play four games. That's really the takeaway. Um, second, at the quarterback position, uh, you actually have Lamar Jackson uh, tied with Jalen Hurts, 23.9 fantasy points per game. Jackson, of course, with just three games possible. Hurts with four games possible, but you know Philly would have to go uh, throughout the tournament on the road, which makes it a little bit um, trickier for him. Joe Flacco, actually QB4. Um, for the contest at 23.8 points, which is crazy. Um, You know, Cleveland also having to go on the road, but he's got four possible games. Uh, After that, we've got Dak Prescott at 23.1. Four games possible. Dallas would, in most scenarios, uh, have two home games, and they've got four possible. And I think, you know, Dak's interesting because so many people are going to be on CD. Um, Going further back down, the quarterback uh, performances – from uh, this year you got Jordan Love at 21.6 points actually on a points per game uh, basis pacing Brock Purdy at 21.4 and Pat Mahomes at 20.5 which is which is interesting and I think for the Green Bay Dallas game that that makes Green Bay maybe a little bit uh, more worrisome to fade Uh, but more more on that when I start talking about my actual bracket And then as we go on down, I mean, we got Stroud in there. I actually skipped over him at 22 points. He's kind of right there in that mix with the rest of the the players. And then we've got uh, Tua at 19.5, Stafford at 19 even, and then Mason Rudolph um, and Baker Mayfield uh, rounding out the field. Running back. Running back is just really interesting for this tournament because I think there's going to be so many people on McCaffrey uh, because of his 24.7 points per game average. And then, you know, Kyron Williams at 21.6 is second in the field, but, you know, L.A. on the road, uh, you know, Detroit. I mean, if, if, they, if they're one and done, you know, Kyron's a tough play. He might not be the right math there, um, but he is the RB2 for the tournament if you can stomach not playing uh, Puka uh, in that spot. And we've got a, a little bit of a log jam as soon as we go below that. So we've got Mostert and uh, Achan at 18 and 17 and a half, respectively, the, the Dolphins are interesting because, you know, one and done. Do you really want a running back there? But, you know, we're now with the weather being a factor and maybe it's just so cold that neither team can pass, you could get some points from that running back in a, a second game. Maybe running games dominate the first game and then Miami going on the road to, to Baltimore, presumably. Uh, you know, you get some more run out of one of those running backs. Below those two, uh, we have Jameer Gibbs at 16.4. Uh, per contest and uh isaiah pacheco at 15.4 respectively and then it's just really a big log jam i'm not sure any of these other running backs are players that you would stomach playing probably unless you're calling for a pretty big upset you know J- james cook and tony pollard both under 14 points per game uh maybe you've got some sort of script that you're you're drafting where uh you know those teams only get one game and uh you know a couple short rushing touchdowns or something like that for either one of those players David Montgomery kind of in that same situation and we just go on down from there Rashad White at, at 16 uh I'm not sure how many people are picking Tampa to get out of the first round um but if the, if they do get out of the first round against Philly and you get two games do you feel comfortable with White over Evans I don't I don't know I mean may, maybe you do It depends on Baker Mayfield's health you know with Mayfield being banged up the uh, the team could Lean a little bit more on Rashad White, uh, in the first round at least, until those those ribs and that ankle heal. Um, so you know maybe White a, a, a notch above some of those other guys that that we chatted about. Wide receiver, it's basically C. D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, uh, Saint Brown, and then everybody else. Um, you can make a case for really any of the the wide receivers because in a one and done situation where your team loses, those receivers are you know likely to have the spike weeks if you can get them correct and then you know of course over you know multiple weeks having access to a passing game in the eventual loss for that team seems like a good way to play it um and so you know in this contest with two wide receiver slots and four flex spots it's hard for me to imagine not having probably a minimum of five receivers
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Uh,
1: if you played enough lineups, maybe you, you could get on four if you wanted to have, you know, an extra tight end. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think having the two receiver spots and then probably three of the four flexes being receivers is the generally the right way to go. At tight end. Tight end, I think a lot of people will be on Kelsey. Uh, There's lots of great shows about ownership projection. You know, the friends over at Ship Chasing, you know, Pat Crane had a great show the other night and they kind of had a lot of healthy debate on their YouTube channel uh, with Pete Overzet and some others uh, around where they think that ownership projections will come in. And I've listened to that show uh, and Pat's work the last couple of years. And it's always, it's thought provoking and... For the most part, it's been directionally correct. And so, uh, you know, if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you if you want to focus specifically on ownership projection, that was a great show. Um, I think a lot of people will be on Kelsey because the Chiefs offense has been so weird and it's a tight end premium format. But if you want to create some brackets where, you know, the Ravens, for example, would get upset in the first round or something like that, or or the Niners were to get upset, I think you can start making some cases to To put likely Isaiah Likely or George Kittle uh, into your lineup, and then from a flex spot perspective, you know David Njoku has been uh, pretty productive. I mean, high end uh, tight end one and tight end premium since Flacco took over. Uh, if you're not big on Philly, Dallas Goddard uh, has finished the season hot. You know, for the uh, for the year, he only averaged 11.8 points a game, but uh, he finished the last month of of the season hot. And then, you know, similar cases can be made for Dalton Kincaid or, or Jake Ferguson if you want to play a bracket where Buffalo or Dallas doesn't advance into the tournament. You know, you're kind of filling in the cracks with your defense and your, and your kicker uh, for those soft fade uh, type scenarios. So th- that's what we're looking at in terms of, you know, the players available in the field. I want to go through my bracket um, and then the types of uh, decisions that, you know that I'm pivoting off of from there. So starting with the AFC, it's it's until about eight hours ago I was extremely sure that Buffalo would defeat Pittsburgh at home. Buffalo is playing hot. They've had some marquee victories over the last month and a half. I mean, you know, beating Philly, beating KC, smashing the Cowboys, uh, greeting one out out on the West Coast against uh, the Chargers. I mean, it seems like a team that's really kind of found its its stride since making some changes at off, Offensive Coordinator. Um, and, you know, they're playing, they're, they're playing better. They've also got kind of that special teams wild card with Deontay Hardy. I think that always is really important in playoff football, thinking about other ways that you could get out of a tough jam um, when things just aren't going right. I really like what's going on for Buffalo. It's kind of a year or two after we expected them to be at their peak. Of course, that locker room coming together with you know Demar Hamlin and all of those things from last year, it really feels like Buffalo's do, and uh, you know I love watching Josh Allen on the big stage. So this weather news about 60 mile per hour wind gusts and a foot of snow make it pretty terrible for the Bills because the only thing that I think uh, could could bring the Steelers into a real. Uh, slugfest with the Bills is a low-scoring game where they can ground and pound with with Najee Harris, and uh, you know both teams score under twenty or something like that. It seems like the weather could potentially give us that game. Hopefully, the wind will be limited, and if the wind is limited, I expect Buffalo to handle Pittsburgh. I do still think, in most scenarios, even with the weather equalizer, that Buffalo is just flat out better than Pittsburgh, and so in in every lineup that I that I draft, it will be. Uh, on the basis of Buffalo getting at least two games in the tournament, I do have Kansas City over Miami as well. It feels tricky um, just on the off chance that that game would get moved uh, with the negative wind chills of up to you know minus thirty. I don't know if if the if the NFLPA will you know, make an argument, a good, effective, successful argument for player safety. If that game were to get moved to a dome, it obviously totally changes things. But, you know, I think as ugly as Casey has looked, you know, Miami has just been basically trounced against most playoff teams. I think there were one in five against playoff teams this year and minus 90 plus points against playoff teams this year. Just really did not show up. And for them to go on the road against a seasoned playoff team like the Chiefs, against Andy Reid, and those cold temperatures where we know Miami's had some trouble. I don't really like how that shapes up. Now, when you start to break it down further, okay, well, if it's that cold, are we just going to run the ball into the line over and over again? How effective will Tua be getting the ball out there on the perimeter to the wide receivers? Is it it so cold that we can't grip the ball and make good throws? I'm remembering a, a... New York Giants and Packers game. I think it was the NFC title game back when Rogers and Eli were facing off. And it was so cold. the field was like silvery. and it was just painful to watch these guys play. You couldn't really do anything. And that's what I'm envisioning in this game, um if it's not moved. and I just think that that situation favors Kansas City as the home team who who does play in that weather once or twice a year. Maybe not to that degree of cold, but is certainly more accustomed to playing in cold weather uh, than Miami. That being said, when you've got Raheem Mostert and Devana Chan, even if you can't throw the ball, you've got a chance. Miami's defense is really in a bad spot right now. They've got a lot of injuries. Pacheco has been getting going a little bit. And if it is going to be hard to throw, I I like – the idea that the Chiefs can move the ball over the middle of the field on uh, checkdowns to Kelsey—it just seems a little bit easier to manufacture that when things are really um, difficult than some of the the fancy uh, move situations that the Dolphins' offense is really predicated on. So I'm I'm taking Casey over Miami. I will probably even have one lineup where I just full fade Miami on the idea that you know this game is really low scoring. They don't advance, and you know nobody blows up. Um, in in all of the other, uh, lineups that I submit, I will at least have, you know, a Miami position player, probably, uh, Raheem Mostert or Tyree kill, uh, just as protection in case they, they would pull the upset or this game would get moved. I've got Cleveland over Houston. I just think that the, the defense, um, and the magic that that team has with, with Flacco right now outweighs, you know, e- even with you know this, the the Texans being kind of upstart and CJ Stroud looking so good late in games, it just feels like there's more ways that Cleveland can can win this game. Um, I think you want to play offensive players on on either side of this because it you know it, it it seems like you know all of the pundits at least this seems like a coin flip. Uh, I've seen plenty of people picking Houston in the home spot here, um, even though uh, Cleveland has a, a couple points uh, in their pocket from a betting perspective. But Cooper, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Nico Collins. I, I feel like you got to have one of those, uh, one of those guys from Cleveland. And, and Nico Collins just feels really dangerous um, to keep out of lineups at this point. Because if Houston does win, you know, indoor, you know, this is going to be good conditions compared to some of the other games that we're talking about. And then, and then they get a second game. They go on the road against Baltimore. At some point, they're probably going to be outmatched. I mean, I think whether Houston wins or loses. Uh, they're depending on Nico Collins. I don't think that you can keep him out uh, of your lineup there um, and, unless you unless you think Cleveland goes in and just blitzes them um, and, and Houston gets trounced. But they haven't really rolled over uh, of late. Uh, finishing out the AFC bracket, if that's how it plays, Kansas City goes to Buffalo. I'm taking Buffalo in that game at home. Cleveland would go to Baltimore. I'm going to take Baltimore at home over Cleveland and then in the AFC title game it would be Buffalo and I've got Buffalo over Baltimore going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, on this I'm probably going to build my playoff challenge around Josh Allen. It's going to make me a little fragile because, you know, the Steelers upset him in the first round, you know, all my teams are dead. Um, but this is, you know, I I want to have a handful of teams that have a shot to win it and um you know, because there are, a, I mean, you can play Hurts, you can play Prescott, you can play, uh, you know, you could play Mahomes. Um, and I mean, I don't think Purdy will be as uh, highly owned over some of those other guys, but, you know, even even he could make a run there um, where, you know, maybe McCaffrey gets dinged. He did get hurt a couple times late in the season and they they were really holding him out to protect him. Um, later in games and a lot uh, Mitchell was getting some more run so I think there'll be a couple lineups with that too but I mean Allen scored the most points in the regular season and if Buffalo can get four games you know and they go to the Super Bowl it's going to be on his arm and legs in the NFC I've got Dallas over Green Bay at home I don't really like the idea of fading Green Bay though this is an indoor game I think it could be uh, a pretty high scoring game Jordan Love Um, Has really had that offense going. Jaden Reed's a little bit of a, um, you know, joker player that is creating a lot of excitement in the offense. And Dallas has been known to choke. You got the extra intrigue of it being McCarthy versus the Packers. And, um, you know, Dallas has been so good at home. I I feel like you got to give them this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit more competitive, um, you know, than you would have maybe thought it would be six to eight weeks ago. Detroit's hosting LA. This really feels like a toss-up to me. I think this is the hardest one for me in the first round because the Rams. uh, I I think the Rams are they're built in a way that they could beat anybody. I mean, if 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 a low seed is going to go surprisingly to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in the NFC, I think it's it's the Rams, and in the AFC, if it's a lower seed, I think it's it's the Browns. You know, these are just two teams that that they have enough um, in each element of their game to get it done. I mean, the Rams are nowhere near as strong as Cleveland on defense, but they've got the offensive firepower. They've got the uh, they've got the experience there, both at the head coaching position and you know across you know quarterback most importantly, but across some other areas of their team. And uh, this is a little bit new territory for Detroit. You know, hosting a home playoff game. I mean, this is this is really big for them. That being said, Goff has some of that playoff experience too. Um, but this one's this one's tricky. I'm picking Detroit at home, um, but this is another one of those indoor games. You know, even if you're only given LA a game, I think you got to have exposure to their offense. Um, and this is not a, a situation where you want to take kicker or defense there. <laughs> giving them one games, giving them one game. You know, if, if you felt sure about it, you know, I think you go with Puka or Cooper Cup, um, trying to keep up with. The Lions. But since I think you could get multiple games out of LA, it does put Kyron Williams back into the picture uh here. So I think you can make a case for any of those three players, depending on how much conviction you've got and what the Rams are going to do. Detroit's going to have to travel after that first game. You know, I think it's St. Brown and Gibbs um are the only ones that that really make sense. I know Montgomery outscored Gibbs during the uh the regular season, obviously more toward the front half, but you know, gives us a lot more of a focal point in the offense you got Laporta out there's you know he's going to be involved in every game script and then I mean St. Brown you know he's one of the most productive receivers in the NFL this season um, and whatever game that Detroit goes down I would expect him to to have tons of usage and if they win it's going to be on him too so it, it's really those two players on LA I think you can make a case for three so I, I think getting that game right and 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 maybe that is a spot where that game is not necessarily part of your core. So if, like for me if I'm doing five lineups, you know, I might rotate through those two Detroit assets and the three Rams assets and that's how I differentiate around my core um where where I'm lock, you know kind of locking in uh you know Josh Allen I'm probably locking in um uh, amari cooper for for cleveland for example and then you start finding these games you're not as sure about and and that's where you rotate through some people philly and tampa also feels a little dangerous because philly's just trash uh of late and baker mayfield's been injured and that's another game where weather could come into play i really don't know what to think i'm defaulting to philly on the road there but i really wouldn't be surprised by any outcome um you know Philadelphia's got potentially both wide, of their star wide receivers are coming in less than hundred percent. So it is a spot where you could talk yourself into Dallas Goddard. Um, it's kind of hard to get onto Deandre Swift, I think, but I I, I like the idea of Dallas Goddard um, as your tight end, or even as a flex, if you're worried that you won't get, you know, a game out of AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, or that, you know, they got even if they play, maybe they're more of a decoy. You know, Jalen Hurts, I don't think he'll be super highly owned, but if you think the Eagles can regain their early season form and he can get hot, I mean, you know, if they did make a run to the Super Bowl, you know, all those Hurts teams are going to be at the top of the leaderboard. I think it's worth a consideration if you're playing enough volume, uh, having a Hurts lineup I think is a reasonable idea. For Tampa, I think kicker's probably in play uh, here. You could argue that defense would be in play since Philly hasn't been as dominant of late and it could be a weather game. You've got the home field advantage Um, and Rashad White and Mike Evans. So I think there's a lot of different ways you could go in Tampa Bay. They're another squad where, like Detroit, like LA, I think I'll I'll shuffle through a couple of those different resources um, to differentiate around my core in in the five lineups that I'm doing. If that's what the first round looks like in the NFC, it gives us Dallas versus Detroit, hosting Detroit in the second round. I, I like Dallas at home again. There, um, it's nice for them to to avoid San Francisco in the second round um, and uh, get to host another game. And you know, Detroit's been a different team on the road. That being said, at least it's a dome game, um, so it doesn't push them out of their their offense. But you know, they're they're just not the same on, on the road. And Dallas has been so dominant. Philly would then transfer, tra- uh, travel to San Fran. It is another divisional game, but you know I don't I don't really like that. I don't like that for the Eagles at all. I'll take San Francisco there. San Francisco then hosts Dallas. I don't think that Dallas can go into the Bay and win that game. You know they haven't been able to solve San Fran over the past couple of playoffs, and I don't think traveling to the one seed uh, in the NFC title game is as exciting as their fan ba- exciting as it would be for their fan base. I don't know that they can get over that hump there. So I've got. San Francisco going to the Super Bowl that gives us Buffalo versus San Fran. So that being said, if I'm getting four games or uh if I'm getting three games out of San Francisco and four games out of Buffalo, it does mean that I'm kind of anchored in on Josh Allen and Christian McCaffrey. Um there are great arguments for some of the other players on the 49ers, but since I am doing a, you know a core and rotating around that core, those are two guys that are going to be and all of my lineups and I'm going to try to get it right elsewhere, uh, by differentiating. So as I go through and build, build my lineups, the the real games that, uh, that I'm going to shuffle through are that again, that Detroit and LA game. I think you want to have, if you're going to play multiple lineups, you got to have a Gibbs lineup. You got to have a St. Brown lineup. Um, and then for LA, just on the off chance that, you know, they would win if you're playing multiple lineups, I do think you want, you want a Kyron Williams lineup um he's been a touchdown machine and 20 points are basically a weekly occurrence and you know there is always a chance that you know they would uh maybe get one big game from Nakua and one big game from Cup and but but Kyron's getting his each round um so if you do think that they can sneak by with a win Kyron makes some sense there if you think they're going to lose maybe just place your bet on on Nakua um uh, that probably feels like the right call uh for me there and then Philly and Tampa again is where you can differentiate um, primarily through through Tampa. My full fades. Uh, I'm gonna full fade Pittsburgh. Uh, I I I kind of hedged this at the beginning of the episode by saying the weather is an equalizer. Um, I'm willing to risk it on on the Steelers. Um, I'm trying to get the right combination at the top of the leaderboard. I'm gonna full fade Pittsburgh across my portfolio, um, and then I'm gonna alternate I'm going to have one Miami full fade uh and then I am going to alternate between Green Bay and Tampa as uh my other full fades in in these scenarios so that that's kind of a high level that's how I'm playing it um again you can play this game at myffpc.com it's $200 to enter to win $500,000 there's also a lower uh contest $35 entry for a lower jackpot um but it's a great way to end the season And if you've never done it, I would encourage you to at least enter the $35 tournament. If you want to have some skin in every playoff game and you don't like placing, you know, prop bets uh, and that's just not your thing, you don't want to be, um, you know, watching every single yard uh, on on both sides of it and and be able to kind of just check out. The nice thing about this is, you know, you got your lineup and you're riding throughout the playoffs. So uh, you're not stressing game to game to game. You can kind of watch it, enjoy it. You do have some Rooting interests and there's a leaderboard to watch, but it's it's a bit less stressful than than being in on every single game uh in multiple different ways. So check that out. And again, our YouTube channel, our Rotoviz Radio, and Rotoviz.com. There's tons of content out there uh throughout this week that you can get a little bit deeper into the individual games. Um, and again, Sean Siegel's uh, article up on the front page of the site. Still, I will email that out uh, today th- for those of the you that are listening, and uh, just want it conveniently in your inbox. So, until next time, this has been Curtis Patrick on the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast on Rotoviz Radio.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.